service and just an amazing, amazing leader. And he and Miss Virginia have had a couple of health uh, issues lately, and so I'm so glad, Miss Virginia, to see you back. And uh, it is a wonderful day. And so um, I want to talk for a few minutes, uh, being a little bit sensitive to where we are in time, but at the same time sensitive to the truths of Scripture that we want to wrestle with. Uh, in Philippians, the third chapter, Paul um, taught us a few things about maturity and the faith and what it looks like to walk in a mature manner with Jesus. And I particularly enjoyed um, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 15. And we, um, we've been making our way slowly through verses 15 through 21. And uh, we'll get where we get today and, and we'll figure that out in a few minutes. But um, Paul writes in verse 15, I, I uh, have thought of this before and just this is maturity that we demonstrate Uh, demonstrated christian maturity is how i've labeled this in my own life and it's almost like this step ladder of faith of this is what it looks like and if as an individual and as a body of believers we will understand this i think that our i don't think i believe and i fully am aware that our impact and influence for the kingdom of christ will be so robust and it, and it's, it's, it's just kind of hinges on our maturity and our faith. And in fact, in verse 15 of chapter 3, um, he says this word very well. He said, um, look, therefore, and this kind of fleshes, therefore, uh, fleshes out of this reality of I have a targeted life. This is my targeted purpose. This is who I am. I'm not concerned with what has gone in my past. I am pressing forward to the future goal of knowing God in Christ. Therefore... Let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, well, God will change your mind. I mean, you're, you're going to experience a transformation of mind. And I'm, I was, um, enjoying just looking through the six or seven steps of who we are as followers of Jesus, as mature followers. And, and then you have moments where you sit with extraordinarily wise people and you learn some things. And so, um, I sat with Rick Wheeler this week, extraordinarily wise, learn things. And so um, I, I just uh, thank you for that. Amen, Rick. You've got at least five in the room. It's exciting. And uh, he was talking with us. For those of you that haven't met Rick, he leads the network of churches um, called the Jacksonville Baptist Association. We have a meeting this week with a lot of different leaders in this city. And uh, he, he provided a devotional for us on maturity from a different place in Scripture. Same Greek word. And um, the Greek word that he uh, expounded upon in maturity would um, translate out as teleos or teleos. And it really, um, where he measured that down for us is, you know, guys, this is really telescoping. And he walked into the varying ways that we have been wired together as a body of believers for the sake of Christ. And what kept popping in my head was this Greek word, guys, is maturity. And so therefore God has put you in to the body of believers for the sake of maturity. And I started listening to him over and over, come back to maturity. And I, at the end, Rick, you said, wouldn't it just kind of be our goal to, to focus and purpose ourselves for the sake of maturity? And um, my answer in my heart was yes. And, and so I, I began to think about that. And so, lo and behold, um, Rick has a telescope. It's not in the best shape. <laughs> and in fact, this part fell off of that part, so I'm not even bringing that part over. But um, somebody just tell me for a moment the, your purpose of a telescope, because there could be a lot of different answers. So this is a telescope, and it does what? It magnifies. Ryan said something else. Yeah, it's, it's, so things that are far come near. 
You get, you get, you get to look at the stars. You, oh my. <laughs> That's an awesome answer for those in the room. That's my neighbor across the street who just said, you get to look at the neighbors across the street. <laughs> Awkward moments with the neighbor. That's exactly right. So I'll let you borrow this next. Jason, can you keep her away from the window? That's all I'm asking. So, um, so yeah, it's, we're not, I'm not even going there. I'm actually turning red with this whole thing right now. And so, um, the telescope in, I love that. I just looked at maturity and thought, what are we doing as a, as a telescope? This is really our role. For those that are mature and have attained this walk with God, I wrote a simple sentence that I hope will permeate every thought that you have. The role that we have as mature believers is to take what seems far and to draw him near. I know that's super simple, but is it really? Because our role as we walk this earth, and I believe this is what Paul is saying to his church, is that your role as you walk this earth, and, and honestly, as I led in a prayer and a meaningful moment, I don't know if, if, if it will settle with you as it did with me, that God, just in my act of giving in Southern Springs, Texas, I took what seems very far and allowed you to be drawn near. Because God, I'm a part of a much greater work. And I, I long for that to happen in this world. And I don't, I don't know if we know that that's our role. Our, I don't know if we fully appreciate the depths of God's call to say, here's what I have placed you here. And here's why you're on this earth. Because I seem far to people. Hear that and just filter that through your um, network of friendships and the places that you work and your neighbors I seem very distant to people and our entirety of purpose as we walk this earth is to take a God who seems far and in our maturity of faith, we are drawing him near and demonstrating the goodness of who he is. We're a people who are walking telescopes saying, if you would like to see the nearness and the wonder of our God, come and walk along with us. That is a powerful and beautiful privilege, and that is the Greek wind rendering of who we are as mature people. So I'll ask the question that I heard on Thursday morning. Wouldn't it be a great thing, and shouldn't it be our aspiration to be mature followers of Jesus? Meaning this, we are a people who take a God who seems distant at times, and we draw him near. And we say, here is our God. We're his people. He's beautiful. So I'll, I'll, I'll place this right here so you can just kind of see your role. Maybe it should go up. Just kind of see your role as to say, God, if you could allow us to do this. He teaches us about this. And I've already covered each one of these. And, and in fact, I'll just walk through the verses in verse 16 or fifth, in verse 15. It says, life with God moves toward God. Just let who are mature think this way. And if you think anything differently, God will reveal this to you. It's just the reality that those of us who are in Jesus fully expect for him to change our lives. And I won't re-preach a sermon from two or three weeks ago, but we, we inherently believe that God is a God of transformation. He's a God who changes our mind. He changes our passions and moves us for the sake of his kingdom. And so verse 15 says this, a mature person moves toward God. A mature person in verse 16 moves with God. He goes on to say in verse 16, in any case we should live to what truth we have already attained. In other words, 
As I hear something from God, my life is already moving with God and it's moving toward the truths I've already heard. And it's, um, it's very challenging for us as believers because I think the risk that we run as followers of Jesus is we've heard, if you're like me and been around the kingdom of Christ for a season, we've heard a lot of truths and a lot of things that we don't actually apply to our life. And what Paul is saying is, if you're going to telescope, if you're going to bring a God who seems far to many, and you're going to draw him near, it's going to require you, invite you, it's going to be a part of your DNA to say, God, when you're moving and a truth hits my life, I practice that truth. And so it, it, would, be, it would be powerful for many of us to look back through the myriad of studies or to just park in today and go, look, I've, I've heard the truth today within my group, which is where we'll ultimately land at the end of this message, to go as out of the work of the cross of Christ, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them every single command of the purity and the wonder of Christ... And to walk in that manner knowing that God is with us. And so with that simplicity of message that many of us in this room have already heard today, there is a reality that we would move with God with that purpose. And so most likely some of us sat in a Bible study in the last hour and started to ask this question of Lord, how am I going? What's that look like for the sake of your glory? God, what am I doing to disciple? Here's a, here's a great question to ask for this church because here's what is required of us currently. It's a very depressing statistic. It takes about 17 of us to baptize one person each year. That means that it takes 17 of us to baptize one person each year. 17 individuals in this room take one year to reach one person for the sake of Christ. I'm not sure that we've attained the power of verse 17 when it says you will go because you have attained this. You will disciple. You will baptize. You will teach because it should be one to one and multiple times through the year if we believe that and more importantly if we practice that I am not sure that it's the compelling desire of our souls to go make disciples baptize teach and do it again it's a welcoming moment for every one of us including the pastor to begin to ask that of his life oh lord Have I lived to the level that I've attained? Am I practicing the truths that you've already implanted in my life? And Holy Spirit, would you convict me and draw me to yourself? Would you be kind about it? And he may be, or um, he may be cutting about it and cutting away things that need to be cut away from our lives. He will, um, the scripture is given for reproof, for correction, for training, and for growth. Why? So that we could be right and telescope in this God who seems distant to this world and draw him near. It's just one verse that we've attained. I think that for me personally, I can apply many of these verses. So we move toward God and we move with God. This, this early church movement is powerful. As they began to form up, they prayed and they waited. And this should be, and maybe this is where we'll stop today. I just want to share about the early church and how they moved toward God and they moved with God and they moved ultimately together for his glory. That seems like a rightful place for us to ponder. God, I just want you to know I'm maturing in this way. And if I'm thinking differently, help my thinking. 
Verse 16, in any case, I want to live to the truth we've attained. In verse 17, God, help me in imitating. Just I want others to follow me because I'm following you. Brothers and sisters, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. I look at the forming up of the church and the power of the church, and I see this, this group of people who gather together. If you, if you want to see the initiating of the church... Um, we were singing resurrecting and I just, um, I just, the spirit of God was saying where there is hopelessness and where there is a seating in prayer and where there is the power of the cross and the power of the empty tomb, but where there are also questions and how do we move forward? The early church answered that for us. And if we would like to model that and say, God, I hear what the pastor's saying. More importantly, I read what your scripture is saying. I understand the call to maturity. I'm wrestling with this idea that the reality of my presence is to take what seems far and to draw it near. So how do I respond? I think as we move with God and we move for God, we would respond in a similar pattern as the early church. It's when they begin to sit together and say, I don't know that I see all of these things and I don't know that I see us drawing people near who seem to be far. You know what their response was? It's a powerful response. It's one that we could learn from. Their response was to gather together, to fast, to pray, and to seek God's face. And about 120 of them got together in an upper room and just simply started reading scripture over one another, speaking of the wonder of the cross of Christ, speaking of the resurrection, and seeking God's face and saying, Oh Lord, we want to, and apparently we're a part of a movement that you are starting right now, and we want to, in in the midst of that movement, to seek your face, to hold the power of the spirit of your presence within us and move in conviction. God, we know that you seem distant to many. And in fact, those who have seen you butchered on a cross, you seem extraordinarily distant. We're not sure how to help them to draw near. So here's what we're sure of. We need to draw near to you. We need to draw near to who you are and what you're doing because we can conjure some obedience issues from our pastor or from reading scripture. But we really want to do is move with you and to experience something that is far beyond what we could experience. I, I love this. They prayed, they waited, and all of heaven broke loose. Would you not like to experience that? Just Can I say that again so you can have an amen in your heart? They prayed, they waited, and all heaven broke loose. I mean, it's, and I'm, I'm just, I'm really not even looking for like a preacher to come at me, man, but more of a God. I want, I really want to be a part of a group of people who pray and wait. And the Holy Spirit breaks loose among us so that we are, we are truly manifesting the maturity that we have to be able to see what you're doing in the midst of that messy, amazing scene. After the Spirit of God fell and he brought a commonality among them that was incomprehensible, Peter stood up and he addressed the crowd. He said, we're definitely not off our rocker, which Paul would fulfill that very well in Scripture. If I'm speaking to you, most of the time it doesn't make sense. That's what the people were saying. Um, look at them. They're drunk. They don't make sense. They're out so amazed by God and so astounded by God. And Peter says, rest easy. We haven't been drinking. We have been filled with the spirit of the presence of God. 
The fulfillment of which God has spoken and which he said through his prophet Joel. In the last days, God will pour out something far more delightful than we could ever drink in. It will be the drinking in of his presence. And we have been drinking deeply of that. I just want you to know that when, fin- when Paul, when Peter finished his impassioned cry and his sermon, which um, ended with a fitting explanation of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, there were some 3,000 people that were saved. They were cut to the heart, it said. They repented of their sins. They understood what they had not yet attained. They attained that yet what they couldn't dream. They came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The Spirit of God moved among them. They were baptized. And here's what happened among a group of people who went to an upper room and said, God, we want to move first toward you so that you can move into us and through us so that we can step out for you. And out of that byproduct, what happened is they took someone, this being the living God, that seemed distant and they spoke him with power and authority that exceeded what they had and God was brought near and it cut them to the heart and 3,000 came to know the Lord. I doubt we can pull that off. I am fully confident based on the record of Scripture that God can. And I am, I am utterly confident that he says things post this as the church was being formed because the church was formed out of this moment and saw this or at least it was in the fabric of the early church conversations. And then Paul steps in and says, you can't imagine what God will do. As you find yourself as you find yourself so deeply enraptured and immersed in the goodness and the love of God in Christ, you as a body of believers can't imagine. And I know the fabric that makes up the launch of the church. And yet I want to tell you that God in his work will exceed your imagination. And I just begin to say that going, God, if what, would, what would invite from you for you to be drawn near to the, to the city of Jacksonville, to through our neighborhood, to, um, to a group of people who are walking around saying, God seems very distant. And I do feel this way, and I'm assuming you do. We are living in a culture where he seems extraordinarily distant. And the joy and privilege of our life is to draw extraordinarily near to him so that his presence just moves within our soul so that we can step out and speak him so that this God who seems distant is drawn near. What a great Picture maturity. And I'll ask what Rick asked me. Wouldn't it be powerful for us to be mature as believers in Christ? Wouldn't that be the most powerful and beautiful thing? If that is our role is to telescope God. This, this is what naturally followed. I, I just wrote these thoughts. And this was our third thought last week. They repented and believed as individuals. Scripture tells us that God immediately began talking less to them as a you and more to them as an us, which brings verse 17 for me directly into line. Chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 17, Join me, join in imitating me. I've so marked this up in my Bible because it's such a powerful prayer that I am saying to the Lord because... um, because I've, 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 I feel such a confidence in Jesus and such a lack of confidence in me, which seems like the right place for this scripture. So I've written a lot about Jesus around this verse. So I keep butchering reading it. It's because I don't feel worthy of that, and yet I feel my worth in Jesus. Join in imitating me. And, and listen, pay attention to the people around you who are walking out this faith. Here's what I wrote and shared last week, and I think we should just live here for this week and then pray. 
Life with God is a shared life. It moves toward Him, it moves with Him, and it's shared among this body. We're, we're looking at one another and we're paying attention to one another. I, I wrote this in my notes. They could point to one another. They'd have paid attention to one another. As they were walking about, they were walking about as this 3,000 new believers bringing this faith into reality among them. This church at Philippi, to be specific, this one, they're walking on another continent as the new church was formed. And they're walking as a group of people who were standing outside of gates just a few moments ago, pleading with the Lord to show them who he was And Paul's come along saying, you've heard some things. I've sat with you and taught some things. I have poured out the spirit of Christ through me and you are imitating me. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow this powerful person named Jesus. I want you to obey him and live to what you already know. And oh, by the way, as you wrestle with that, imitate me and pay attention to those who are fleshing this out. That seems like such a good word for the church. It seems like such an inspiring word for us to commit to being a part of the body, to look at one another and say, look, I, I look, I'm paying attention to you. And I'm learning through maturity, your maturity specifically, about how to walk with Jesus. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be meaningful for us to pursue maturity if that's the case? Wouldn't it be powerful for this body to say, God, we want, not just solely for the lost, which we'll get to next week, who are, who are far from God and who are satisfied only in what they can stuff into their stomachs. I'm about to drive down to a stadium and watch a lot of people stuff things that won't fill them in their stomachs in the next hour. Drink a lot of stuff that won't fill them in their very deepest need. And I want to be able to speak to that crowd as I walk about, when, lose, whatever goes on. I just want to be able to walk into that crowd going, God, you are distant right now to many here. But, oh, Lord, that you could be drawn near. And we're talking about that every day, just going, here's our role as mature believers to bring the presence of Jesus wherever we go and to bring a, a beautiful maturity. Here's what he talks about in verse 17. Life with God is shared. They point to one another. Here's what it says of the church. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to the word of God. They devoted themselves to prayer. Here's what happened among them. There was an awe on every soul. For the sake of the kingdom of Christ. All who believed came together. They shared things. They attended the temple. They shared meals. The word, the gospel prevailed. That there was this dwelling of the presence of God among the people. It creates not just you and your individual belief and faith. It created a corporate movement of the living God called the church. And he birthed this church and said, here's what moves in the church. The gospel moves in the church. The power of the scripture moves in the church. The presence of the living Christ moves in the church. The Holy Spirit moves the church. That's what moves us as a body of believers. And here's what the church did for one another. And here's what you and I could do for one another. I'll share this and I'll pray for us. The church did this with their gifts, their resources, their abilities. And let me add this word to my thoughts and their maturity with their gifts, their resources, their abilities, and their maturity, their levels of faith, they built one another up. They grew in maturity together. They said, follow me, and they did. They said, pay attention, and they did. 
And in doing so, they encouraged one another. You read through the book of Acts, they blessed one another, they rebuked one another, they discipled one another, they disciplined one another, they outdid one another, they outdid one another in showing honor toward one another, they taught one another, they trained one another in the gospel, and they sent one another out. This is what the church was doing. And all over the ancient world, the churches were planted and the name of Christ was prolific. And here's why. Because they took together this idea of this God who seemed far and yet was not to them. This God who was intimate and powerful and real and present This God who is maturing them into men and women who were bold in their faith, who were deeply saturated in what they believed. And he took them together and said, as you mature, here's what's going to happen around you. The kingdom of Christ is going to move. And those who are far are going to be drawn near. And so the question I would ask is twofold. One, isn't it worthy for us as a body of believers to pursue maturity. To those who are mature, Paul says in Philippians 3.15. To those who are mature, you're going to see this and want to be about that. Isn't that worth it? And I would ask more importantly, what will be your response to that worth? As a people who make up this body with, with me and share this walk with me, what will, what will it require of us to say, God, we long to pursue this maturity to bless and encourage and speak life to one another because here's ultimately what we want to do on this earth. We want to spend the rest of our days, which is where we'll land next weekend on verse 18. We want to spend the rest of our days where Paul tells the church to spend theirs, taking what is very, very far to many in this world and bringing him near. That's the passion of our soul. We don't get there. We don't get to verse 18 without trekking through verses 10 through 17. And saying, Lord, may this be among us. So Jesus, I pray that you will prevail in maturity here. That God, you will grow us up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, that you will grow us in who you are and what you are doing in and through us. That you will grow us to be your people. And God, that you will be our God. God, I pray that there would be a a movement of prayer among this body of believers that will reflect our reliance on you. God, I pray that there will be a movement of hunger for the scripture that will be a reflection of our reliance on you. God, I pray that there will be a movement of obedience to the scripture that will be a reflection of our desire to pursue you. God, I pray for the byproduct of maturity. God, I pray for whatever you imagine for this place to become reality because we have imagined our faith maturing in you, Jesus. And so, God, I pray that this is a blessing, that this church is a place of blessing, it is a place of encouragement, it is a place of discipleship, it is a place of rebuke, it is a place of joy, it is a place of generosity, It is a place that is made up and manifesting of the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, let that be, Lord. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. For Jesus' sake, we pray. We tend to close our services with a song.